Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Strength Faction Podcast. Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, What can you buy for a dollar these days? Not much, right? Well, good news. You can join us for your first month with the Strength Faction for just one dollar. Just one dollar. Pretty amazing, right? Check it out. Uh, Go to strengthfaction.com. And there's signs all over the place. Plenty of places to click. Follow the dollar sign. Uh, Join us. Uh, You'll get a monthly call. We're going to talk about various topics. You have a voice in what we're going to talk about. And um, so share with us what you want to expand on and uh, get those subject matters in. And the sky's the limit. All for just $1. Come check it out. Hey, for today's podcast, I have Christian Scarpagan. I was lucky enough to meet him couple years back at the uh, preseason camps for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a great coach. His experience is pretty wild. He started out at the Frolander Athletic Training Center in Sweden. Um, From there, he got recruited to the KHL. Eventually, he made his way over to the AHL, uh, working in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. That's where I met him. Uh, He's a great friend of mine. He's a great person. He's a great coach. And without further ado, here is Christian Scarpagan. Confidence of a professional stuff, man. Walking the streets, it always smell like an onion. But I got the program, my body, soul, land. Make it strong as the wind in Chicago land. And we're getting stronger every day. We're all in, in the Strength Faction crew. So get your chips and load your hips because our mission is to bring out the best in you, in you, in you. Hey, Christian, welcome to the Strength Faction Podcast. How are you doing today, bud? Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I, I feel lucky here that I get to talk to you. This is the second time in a week, and uh, I, mi- <laughs> I miss you, man. It's, uh, it's been a while um, since we were at camp together, and uh, I miss hanging out with you in person, but you know, maybe we'll get to do that again soon. Um, I agree. You know, I, I was really excited to have you on because of uh, your your experience kind of spans a, a pretty vast uh, area. And, you know, you went from the KHL to the AHL. Um, now you're back in Sweden. Tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you went into the KHL. And, and then, you know, maybe I'd like to talk through kind of some of the cultural differences that you've seen in the strength and conditioning world in your travels? So before I went to Russia uh, to, to work in the KHL, I was, I was in Sweden and work in, I was working with one of the biggest uh, sports academies in, in, uh, in Sweden and also in Europe when it comes to, to quote-unquote produce players to, to the pro leagues and especially to NHL, uh, which is Frölunda. Um, in Gothenburg in, in Sweden. Um, so I think Frölunda and together with Sheska Moscow in, uh, in Russia is the two biggest organizations when it comes to producing players to to play in the NHL. Uh, so obviously that was a big learning experience for me. I was there for five years and working in, in their academy um, after graduating uh, the, the university. Did you play hockey growing up? Is that what the draw to that was, or 
did you just kind of fall into it? I played hockey. I also played soccer. Those are the two biggest sports in Sweden, like by yeah. by far the biggest sports. And so I played both of them growing up. And and uh, my last year at the university, I had to. Uh, I also did another one year education, which was way more practical. So I had to put myself in a in a team setting or in a some sort of setting where I could take all the practice, sorry, all the theoretical knowledge I learned and gained and put that into practice. And that's how I got in contact with, with uh, Frölunda uh, to begin with. Yeah, let's go going back to um, Frölunda. Am I saying that right? Frölunda? Frolunda. Frolunda. Yeah, F R O Lunda. Gotcha. And you were you were there <laughs> for a tricky one. Yeah. You were there for how long? Five years. And then did you get recruited to the KHL or did it was that something that you actively did you did you go and apply? Did you get a letter out? How did that work? Uh it was it was a recruit for sure. I we had mutual uh, colleagues, but I was I got recommended to that spot uh, as the strength head of strength and conditioning in the Dynamo Minsk organization, which is in Belarus. Um, so it's not in Russia, but it's in the Russian Hockey League. Yeah, um, yeah. So I got recruited to that position. That's great. Um, tell me a little bit about that cultural shift, right? So. Um, you know, one thing I noticed working at the, the Blackhawks camps is you, you see, you know, and that's kind of an accelerated environment because we're seeing so many kids from so many different cultures. But what was yeah. that cultural jump from, if any, from, you know, that this the Swedish environment that you're in before going to the KHL, you know, and then maybe talk a little bit about how you, how you've seen that in the rest of your career, you know, working with in America, working in Russia, working in Sweden, um, and with various athletes from all over the world, you know, how has that impacted your, how you've learned and how you've uh, developed your coaching? I would say, uh, I was, I was uh, with Prolanda for five years, working predominantly with younger prospects and, and really talented players and then i on the side i also had my own business working with more pro pro athletes so to say like mature pros so, mm-hmm. uh, so the biggest jump when i when i came to the khl was the team was like it was a pro team with older guys all the players which was the biggest difference i would say like age-wise and then training, when it comes to training and the strength and conditioning part, I would say the, the, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to, to compare Sweden to Finland and uh, the rest of the, the countries in Scandinavia because we train somewhat similar uh, due to the systems we, we got here. Uh, while in, the, in Russia, the the philosophy and how they view training is quite uh, different. So they train a lot, especially <laughs> during their training camp. 
but there wasn't a whole lot of quality in the training. It was more like quantity. So, for example, they could go for a 10K run in the morning and right after the strength session, and then right after that, maybe you got lunch and then another session in the afternoon. Uh, just to wear you down, both physically and mentally as well. So, so kind of, the, the, there wasn't, you didn't see a lot of, you know, why to it. It was just kind of like, let's get it done to say we got it done. And th- that philosophy exactly, of it, ex- like, let's work hard and that's, that's going to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that was the culture within the league. <clears throat> so as I got hired in Minsk, it was an all Canadian coaching staff and me as a Swede. So it was all foreigners. But I would say we had somewhat similar philosophies when it comes to training and leadership. And they wanted to have me on board to get fresh blood and a fresh way of thinking about the strength and conditioning part. Yeah. Um, so I got in there um, and tried to do it my way. And it took, took a month or two to to get the players on board, especially the the Russian and the Belarusian players, because they're so used to the old system. Um, right. But run, once they realize that, hey, the strength and conditioning can also be beneficial and actually fun for you, it doesn't happen to necessarily uh, suck and wear you down all the time. Then they also bought in. So that was that was huge once they were on board. So was it was it kind of that? Um it doesn't have to suck all the time mentality that you brought to your training. Was that what, what they were excited about bringing you on board for? Was that the difference that they were looking to add? I think the difference they were looking to add was like, we actually do the strength and conditioning to get the players better. Right. Not to punish them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. While I, I'm sure some players still views this, the the off-ice work they quote unquote have to do as punishment from time to time, but it's in the long run they will actually make them better and yeah. less prone to injuries and can perform better and the list goes on. Yeah. So, that uh, but that was an, the main reason. Yeah, and that that brings up an interesting subject, and that's something that that uh you know everywhere i've worked with athletes um from the high school to uh club level to triple a hockey to the uh, up to the nhl the that kind of thought that the the players have that man i wish i was uh, you know back on the ice doing something to get better at hockey and it's yeah. it, you know how do you how do you go about that with athletes, you know, if an athlete comes in and, and, you know, they're obviously, you could pick them out of the crowd, right? You could always pick that one person that, that isn't, isn't excited to be there. Um, they got a bad attitude about, you know, the, the off ice training. How do you go about trying to, to kind of educate them that they are in fact getting better, even though they don't have skates on and, and, you know, what are some of the ways that you show that they're getting better? Um, I would verbally like encourage them on the things they're actually good at, so they they feel seen in the gym and maybe feel get that feeling as okay, the gym. Sometimes the gym 
for those kind of guys uh, is they view the gym as the, oh, fuck, I'm doing, I have to do this again. And it's always like negative. It's, it's a negative feeling for them. Yeah. Well, if, if uh, at least I can be the, the light, like a positive thing in that negative room, that's, that's one way of <laughs> trick them to, to get in there. Yeah. Or uh, either, either you do that, <clears throat> so you're, you're the positive in the room, or you compliment them on the, on the things they're doing, or you guide them in a positive way. Um, that's that's the couple of things, couple of ways I've been doing it. Yeah, that's and, and obviously great. maybe maybe start where where they feel good, even though they they might need something <laughs> completely different. Sometimes just mix one or two things in that they maybe don't they don't need, but they want to do it just to feel good. Okay, let them do that. Yeah, yeah. So. We talk about that in the faction quite a bit. It's it's uh, get them what they need and, and where you can sprinkle in what they want. Um, yeah. And then you know, you're. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Everyone needs to see success. You know, if we're as coaches, if we're constantly putting stuff in front of them that we know they're going to struggle with, um, then that's not going to be a fun experience for them. You know, you got to. I think you're right in that you got to kind of give them something that they want and then give them something where they could hit a home run with right off the bat and, and build up that confidence um, to go into stuff that, that might be a little bit more challenging. Exactly. And depending <laughs> on where, what level the athlete is, let's say it's a pro athlete. Maybe, maybe it's more of a dialogue. Okay. What, yeah. what can they actually, uh, what do they want to do? What, what do I want them to do? While if it's younger athletes, it's more of a, a guided uh, dialogue, so to say. Yeah, I definitely noticed that that the uh, the, the veteran pros kind of have their a louder voice in the yeah. weight room, For while sure. the younger guys come in. And, but you know, if you if you put those, you know, just thinking about back across the different camps, so we would have a prospect camp. Uh, we would have the combine and then we'd have the team camp in the off season. The difference in, you know, seeing the, that prospect camp, those are essentially high school kids, early college kids. Yep. And, you know, just to even put yourself in their shoes, I can't imagine what it would be like to get flown across the globe by one of the top organizations in, in professional hockey, put up in a nice hotel, uh, in downtown Chicago, and then you get brought into this beautiful facility, and you have all these coaches around watching. Um, it's it's got to be a, an emotional roller coaster. So, you know, going back to what you said about being that positive experience, I remember just you know some of the times when we'd be running the tests, I'd make a point to you know, hey, try and make the kid laugh, do something mm-hmm. funny, or you know, or lay a joke in there just to loosen them up a little bit. And then just to see that the performance difference and see their shoulders kind of unshrug and, and relax a little bit. And um, that, that's a, it's a hard thing as a, as a coach, as a coach is, you know, I, I feel responsible for that. And uh, it's, it's great to hear that, 
that's something that you're focused on and, and it's obviously given you a lot of success. Yeah, no, that's huge. I mean, um, to add to the thing, the list you, you were saying uh, here, like, okay, so you're in late teens, like early, whatever, 19, 20 years old, maybe. Yeah. You've flown across the globe, jet lagged as fuck. Yeah. Uh, never, never can barely speak, speak the language maybe. And that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, and a lot of guys in, in a suit and tie shows up and look all important. And I'm sure they are. And you don't even know the names. Like, yeah. If someone can make you laugh in that environment, maybe, maybe you don't have success in the next rep or the next test, but it, it, it will all add up during right. that week that you are there. Yeah. Right? So the next day you get to the camp. Maybe yeah. that's a little bit easier and it's a little bit more relaxing. Right. It's a cumulative yeah. effect. It's a cumulative exactly. effect. And I think yeah, it's important sure. as coaches. I think, it's, you know, it's just, just as we don't want to see, we don't necessarily have to see, you know, home runs every time that our, our athletes come in. I think that we have, as coaches, have to give ourselves that same leeway. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into a successful um strength and conditioning session and then you you factor in experiences like that where you're working with kids that are you know you don't have a ton of time with them um there's a lot of outside external factors uh and that's you know that's true of of training you know kids that you're regularly training with they go you know, especially now with school there's so many stressors outside of what they're doing with you in there that the the amount of roadblocks that we have between where we're at now and where we want to get has increased quite a bit. Yep. Would you are you seeing that as well? Are your yeah, athletes 100%. coming in a little bit more stressed than usual? You mean right now during uh, yeah. the, the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think the 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 biggest reason why they're stressed is because they don't really know. What will happen? When will the next season start? Yeah. Uh, what's going on? What's the plan? When we have? When do we have to fly over for the camp? Or when will the camp even be? What What's happened with the contracts? <laughs> like it's so many different things that they don't have control over, and they sh- they they shouldn't focus on it. But it's impossible not to think about. Yeah. It it's livelihood, right? So it's yeah, exactly. And like imagine. You have no clue if you even get a contract. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Uh, maybe they get an offer from somewhere else in Europe or whatever. And how how should they respond? Like when when no no one really knows anything about when the next season starts, as far as I know at least. Yeah. So it's it's a, such a weird situation. I mean, yeah, it's just weird everywhere. Everything's weird right now. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Everything, you know, everything in life. Um, what are what are some of the ways that you're dealing with that? I, I would say extra stress, the way stress has been ramped up in their lives, that uncertainty. You know, what are some of the things that you're doing with your athletes, whether it be, you know, one-on-one conversations or just, you know, have you changed the way that you're doing things at all? to kind of facilitate for that stress, but then also help them manage it and, and, and move further down the road towards their athletic goals. 
Um, especially now during COVID, uh, we've been trying to mix. I mean, usually we train four um, off ice sessions a week, and they also got four on ice uh, sessions. The the pro players that I train right now. Um, <clears throat> but now since the COVID hit, and since it's going to be uh, a spring going into the summer, and the summer turns to fall, and no one really knows yet what what how long it will take. Yeah, uh, you have to break <clears throat> out. You can't really go uh, to the gym all the time. And okay, let's let's that's that's awesome if you can do it. But mentally, it's the toughest part. Like obviously, you can train. And, and do the workouts but mentally they have got to get, get some breaks on every once in a while so we've been trying to just sometimes play around and get out of that environment and they don't even they don't even have to work out for the day maybe we cut one workout uh during that week and go and play beach volleyball instead or yeah play, uh, paintball or whatever it may be so try to do some other something else than just meet in the gym get to work because you can't you you can't really forget that these pros like you and me mike we we work out to partially because we think it's fun and partially because we just to stay fit and don't get fat right yeah yeah Yeah. well these guys they work out because that's their job right (laughs) They, they they have to work out which makes the their their why today why they get to the gym that's that's completely different from from ours yeah and so we you got to realize where they are at mentally and why they even at the gym okay it's it's uh, to get better as a hockey player sure but how how fun is that for 7 8 months straight right yeah without getting that 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 sprinkling of skating in there and playing the game they love are are they what, how are the restrictions over in Sweden right now are are they able to get on ice and play or yeah yeah they, yeah so they they've been basically been on the ice since june okay uh i would say yeah uh, let's say june uh two maybe two two three times a week in june and at least three or four times a week since july and now when we're recording this it's mid-september so and they still don't know how far uh, off they are yeah yeah there's just like you said before there's so much uncertainty i mean Uh, you can you, you can really dig into this even deeper how how should we as strength and conditioning coaches plan their off season when we don't know how long the off season are. Yeah. Will be. Or yeah. for them, how do you plan their on ice sessions when you don't know how many sessions they got left until they have to peak at, at camp? That's it's right. Like, yeah. And they're, they're just, they just have to go with it. They can't affect it. Right. Yeah. And, and you're right. That certainly does, uh, kind of throw a curveball to the the strength and conditioning coaches out there because they don't know when they need to be ready right so how are you going to get somebody to that peak performance so in that in light of that you know you bring that up thinking about that 
have you has that changed the way that you're you're running your sessions has that changed the way you're programming uh a little bit sure i mean we don't do the same thing now as we did in in may or june yeah uh, i got some i talked a little bit uh with the strength and conditioning coaches on there and the players teams that they're currently contracted with and uh, and they they just gave me some dates okay this might be a good idea to to travel over to north america but we don't know maybe maybe it'll take another month so right we only have that as a uh, what do you say like a compass to know approximately when when or where where they will um, travel over so yeah um we we obviously it's a it's a different situation with the workouts now compared to early summer but yeah a little bit but you can't really you can't really go all in into the linear periodization either i i don't like that concept overall because what what happens if what happens if a player uh, breaks up with a girlfriend or loses his dog or whatever so i don't like that kind of linear periodization either. so for me it's i have to be somewhat flexible with the periodization that's what i mean yeah yeah absolutely i i'm i'm with you on that as well and you know last time we talked um kind of thinking about all the factors that go into the style of training and, and for those uh, you know for the people out there listening uh you're you're predominantly running with your pro players it's a group training correct yeah now is that one group or do you have multiple groups that you're working with multiple groups uh trying to keep them up to six p- uh, clients per group yeah uh, but it all depends on like how big is the facility uh last year i had a a coach to help out a little bit maybe then you can add a player or two in the group to get them their attention their attention that they need uh, but usually around six guys and that's are you keeping the same guys in the same groups or will people often rotate you know depending on you know if their schedule changes or whatnot are are the same six guys always working out together or does that fluctuate uh usually they are okay usually they are but then again, so, so last summer, for example, we had an older group and a younger group. So this summer, it mixed up a little bit. And I wasn't sure what I thought about that Yeah. Uh, before before we did it. But it turned out to be even be- better, actually, because the younger guys, obviously, they're not as strong or ready as the older ones. But they, they put some fire in uh on the like everything because sometimes the older guys are a little bit more i wouldn't say i wouldn't say complacent but i can't think of another word that that sure fits so the older guys sometimes a little bit like tired or yeah they have their mind somewhere else while the younger guys is way more hungrier so the mix between the two uh turned out really good actually yeah, and that's what we did this summer. That's great. And you know, last time we talked, you, you said something that I thought was 
was uh, was great because it's something that you know Strength Faction works with um, business owners, uh, personal trainers, kind of a, a pretty wide spectrum of, of strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we always try and and get through in our lessons and everything is that relationships are a huge part of what we do. I mean, it's, it's, it's what we do, you know, we build relationships and, and, and trust with people. And then, you know, kind of the easy stuff is implementing what we learned in in school and, and from mentors and whatnot. But you, you talked about how in your onboarding process, it's, it's not only is it important to find out if you're a good fit for the athlete, but, you also talked about how the athlete fits into the group that they would be working in and you kind of, kind of bet them with the, the people they'll be working with to see if it's a good fit. And that's huge, right? Because you get a bad apple in there and that affects, you know, the, the ripple effect of that will affect everyone in the group somehow, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. It's tricky too, because it might be, I might be a, a great athlete. It doesn't have to be a lazy guy, but it can still be like the personal chemistry. But if the players don't match within with a new guy, and they don't like him for various reasons, uh, maybe he's a maybe he's a douche on the ice, or maybe he's a, I don't know. It could yeah. be so many different reasons why. If, if they don't like him, maybe maybe it's not a good fit. Right. Have you, so you have, have you ever had to again. have you ever had to fire a client for that reason? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's but a tough thing to do, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. But it's just being in that situation as a coach, and you know, you're running you're running a business, and you're you're literally it's such a hard thing to do when you think of it from the business side because you're like you're you're saying no to money. Right. Yeah, exactly. But but the you know, the the message and the lesson I learned is, you know, sometimes you got to prune the hedges to allow for growth. You know, you got to get rid of that that negative energy in your business to because that, you know, while you're saying no to that money, you're opening yourself up to to larger growth because your culture, the, the quality of your culture increases, the quality of the experience that your athletes that you do want to stick around increases so that, you know, yeah. So, um, that's kind of a common thread. And I, I I think it's great that you're implementing that on the F, you know, the athlete side, but, um, you know, for business owners and you, you run your own, you know, civilian personal training service, correct? Yeah. Right. So you're, and and is that the same model as that you're using with the athletes as far as you know, predominantly small groups? Um, not always, not always, but uh, it all depends on, on what the clients want. I would say like, like I said, last time we talked, usually the hockey players, they've been brought up in, in a team setting. So they used to hanging out in groups, working yeah. out in groups, uh, Obviously, obviously, on ice practices in groups. So if you if you are doing one on ones with a hockey player, it's I found out that usually they don't really like that. They like to 
okay, first I work and then another guy work and maybe we can chit chat while we rest and then, so it's a, it's a way different dynamic. Yeah. And they, since they're group creatures, so to say, they like that environment. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, exactly. And maybe <laughs> an average Joe won't. Maybe he wants to be by himself because he, he's, he's not in, maybe he's not comfortable in the gym. Yeah. Um, while some uh, ordinary people want that di- group dynamic as well. Maybe they're, they're a bunch of friends or three brothers or whatever it may be that they want to compete within the group. So it all depends on, on the, on the clients, I would say. You got to be flexible um, as, a, as a coach in that regard. Absolutely. What has, uh, what has your experience with, with working with pro athletes? How has that influenced how you work with, with your civilian populations, if at all? Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, it influences me. It basically influenced me from day one because I actually started working with uh, the athletes in Frölunda, which I, which I mentioned before, mm-hmm. which is like young, hungry, uh, up-and-coming athletes that wanted to take over the world, basically. Like they wanted, sure. they wanted to get to the NHL and play in the national team and like win the World Cup and everything. Or World Championship. Um, so... That I think my expectations on myself is pretty high, and I invest a lot of time and effort in my clients, and I expect the clients to do that as well. Because yeah. the majority of my clients are athletes in some regard, and they invest a lot of time and effort in their careers. Uh, so if I work with ordinary people, usually those people already got that inner desire and uh, the thrive to get better because they gravitate they gravitate towards me uh, i noticed since i work with a lot of those clients already if you're if you're lazy if you always find excuses if you don't really have those uh, what do you say, like the person, if you're not like that as a person, yeah, usually you don't come to me. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. So sure. that's, a, that's a good thing and a bad thing. And sometimes you got to loosen up as well. And that also go, goes for me. I also got to loosen up sometimes. Maybe, maybe I lose a client or two because I'm, I'm the way I am. Uh, but at least that's, um, that's the way I am. And yeah, they, I, they understand that. I think it goes back to the, it's the same kind of mindset that a business owner has to have about having that bad energy in their, in their gym. If it's not a good fit for whatever reason, it could be culture, it could be mindset, it could be, you know, whatever it is. If, if, if a person's not a good match for you or for them, um, you know, I've always been, not always, uh, you know, as a younger, you know, when I first opened my business, I would try and hold on to everything as long as I could. You know, if there was a problem, I was going to try and grind through it. And just the worst thing that I could have in my mind that could have happened is revenue walking out the door or any kind of business walking out the door. But as, as I matured and kind of, as you go through these experiences, 
whatever it is, you're better off. It's better off for the client too. If you say, Hey, you know, it's obvious that you're not comfortable here. I'm going to, I'm going to help you find a place that's a good fit for you. Right. Have you ever had those kind of conversations with your civilian populations? Um, I don't think so. No, no, I don't. No, lucky you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. But but I, I came to realize. I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago. So uh, the same same pattern as as you just mentioned. Like when I was a younger coach, I wanted to apply to every, like every. I wanted to have. I can I can help you, and I and then I can help you, and then I can help you. I I wanted to help everyone, no matter if it was a it was a teen sport athlete or it was a 65 year old uh, granddad with just one leg or like I wanted to help out whomever what it was and I I still know that both you and me can do that yeah I understand that it's it's also easier for me to attract the the type of clients I want to attract if I niche myself yeah and verbally and also communicate that okay I'm I'm specialized in this, this, and this. And by doing so, I also understand that I maybe not, I'm not attracted to the vast majority of, of my potential clients. Yeah. But, but the ones I actually niche myself to, they, they come to me instead. Yeah. Uh, I think and that's that... a hard thing to do. That's a very hard thing to do, and it take it took long for me to to get to that point. Yeah, we're I'm just having a discussion with that with one of my coworkers about you know if we if we try and chase down everyone, then you know or Dan you know what Dan John puts it perfectly you know chase two rabbits go home hungry. If you're, yeah, exactly you know if if if, if you're an inch wide and a mile deep. You're, you're not only going to develop yourself as a better coach in that area, but you're probably going to start to become more trust. It's easier to build trust with people. It's easier to build those relationships and attract the people that you want, right? The people that are gonna, you know are going to jive with you. So that's, I mean, in a business aspect and a professional aspect, it's a great attitude to have. Um, but it, it, it takes some time to get there. It's, you know, like you said, as a younger coach coming in, you know, you got bills to pay, you got stuff to do. Um, you, you like to think, you know, you can help people, you know, you can help everyone. Uh, but what's going to get the best results and what's going to help you become better and, and bring everyone along with you. Yeah. Um, so Kristen, I, we've been on for about 40 minutes now, and I really appreciate your time. I just have, you know, a couple more questions for you. One is, you know, if you had a, a younger coach come to you right now and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in getting into working with athletes, what, what, what kind of advice would you give them? <clears throat> um, first of all, don't shy away from hard work because it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of hours to get to that point and and i would also say try to put yourself in an in that environment no matter if it's 12 year old athletes or or if it's uh, girls or boys or i mean most of the 
the coaches that come with that with that wish and want and that vision will they want they want to work with pro athletes right but you can't be picky in the beginning you gotta put yourself like do the do the hard work put yourself in an environment where you learn every day no matter if it's uh, wrestling but you want to work with team sports or vice versa you yeah. want to work with uh, golfers but maybe you have to work with uh, 10 year old uh, tennis players or uh, sprinters or whatever it may be so you can you can learn so much from different sports and different uh, mindsets within their sports and and you will uh, find the, the way to get there but you have to put yourself in a position in that environment and also be evaluate after each session or maybe after each week or whatever model works for you to okay what's what have, what what have i done good and bad this these workouts and this week and what what could be better and like evaluate yourself to yeah. to grow as a coach because it's so easy to focus on the things that you're good at but you will also have to focus on the things that you're not as good at to grow and um, both personally and professionally. Yeah. Same message we get to our clients, right? Yep, exactly. You can't just do it's... the exercises you love. You got to do the sucky stuff too sometimes, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's great, bud. Where can people find you? Uh, predominantly on Instagram, I would say. Um, K Scarpagan. Um, and I'll put, the same I'll put that in the, the notes. I'll put that in the notes because I I have a feeling there'll yeah. just be a ton of misspellings going on there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I'll get that in the notes of the show for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so predominantly um, Instagram and also my website is the same name, kscarpagan dot com. And um, yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook and. Uh, LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well, but not as active. Gotcha. So yeah. Instagram and website. Yep. That's, well, that's great. And, you know, I respect the hell out of you, um, not only as a professional, Likewise. but you're, uh, you're a great human being. Uh, you're possibly my daughter's first crush. Um, so <laughs> I have to respect that as well. Um, that's but, huge. Yeah, it is. It's a heavy weight for you to carry for the rest of your life. You know, you yeah. got a, a big expectations there. The, Say um, hello for me. Yeah, I will. I will for sure do that. And, uh, you know, I, I miss you, bud. I hope that I get to – I'm glad we got to talk. Um, I hope we our paths cross again sometime soon. And uh, I wish you, you know, with your expanding family, I, I wish you guys the, the best of luck, bud. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to see you guys again. And hopefully this COVID thing will um, disappear here yeah. in the year. Yeah, uh, hopefully. Forward. Fingers crossed, right? But until then, we'll keep grinding so. and doing what we do. All right, Coach. Uh, I really appreciate your time, and um, we'll talk soon. For sure. I appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Christian. You too. Bye, Bye now.